Hello and welcome to A Broad View, the current affairs news podcast that takes the week's top news story and adds an international twist. Each episode will be joined by a surprise guest to give us their country's unique perspective on the UK's news. This week we are in fact joined by someone very close to home, my flatmate Ayush. How are you doing Ayush? I'm doing good, I'm doing good, thank you for inviting me. You're more than welcome. Um, to start, can you explain your relationship with India? So, um, I have grown up in India. Uh, I, I completed my schooling and my undergrad there. And, uh, yeah, I was born in the UK, but I, I went back to India in 2005. And after 2005, I'm back here studying right now. What is the media landscape like in India? Um, it's pretty similar in a lot of ways, but I feel it's just bit, a bit more chaos in India as compared to the, United, uh, to the UK, of course. I think... Um, Things don't work very smoothly over there. Um, I think there's a lot of um, propaganda stuff and everything. But, uh, yeah, I think very similar, just more chaos. I think that's the perfect way to say it. Do you know how many languages are spoken in India? I, I never get a good number, no. There are a lot. Is it more than 100? I would think so, yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. In terms of, like, the print press uh, newspapers, are there a lot of local papers? Yes, there need to be, because... Um, all the languages, that they're different in every single state. Um, okay. And we have about 30 states. And so if you have 100 languages, then you have three or four uh, languages in each state, more or less. And so you need to have local newspapers of every single language. And so you have a local, lot of local newspapers in every single state. And in terms of newspapers that are relating to the whole of India that anyone can access, what language would those be printed in? So uh, English is one. And... Um, Hindi is our national language, so um, there, there are obviously... The, nas- the national ones are, you, are in English and Hindi. And do, do those at all um, limit the people who can read them? Are there certain areas of India which are restricted by language so that they wouldn't be able to read the national press, or would everyone be... I, I think so, yeah. There, there, will be, there, w- there are villages and, in some cases, towns as well, which, yeah, that problem does occur. OK, so the news story of this week is... Friday's terrorist attack, which involved a man stabbing two people to death and wounding three others on London Bridge, um, and he was later shot by police. The man in question, the terrorist, Usman Khan, who was 28 years old, had been released from jail on licence in 2018, and he was halfway through a 16-year sentence for terrorism offences. The two people who died during the attack were Cambridge University graduate students Jack Merritt and Saskia Jones. This is you know, obviously a completely horrific event and it dominated all the British media yep. and still is kind of following, uh, is still being spoken about. Um, how was, was this reflected at all in India? It was, it was. Uh, firstly, I think um, I got a lot of messages because my friends in India know I'm from London, so I did get a lot of messages mm. once because it was breaking news and it was being termed as a terrorist attack on the day. And so when you when people... Of course, London's a big place, but when people get to know there's a terrorist attack in London, I, I was really it was really nice to see that you know people from India mm-hmm. they they know about it straight away and they're messaging me to find out if I'm all right. So that that was a that was a nice feeling, but also we were there obviously. We we know what's happened basically. Um, yes, there was coverage in India. I think um, it is it is obviously when when it's termed a terrorist attack and it's an attack on when you kill two people basically mm-hmm. and then you find out the history of the person like you just mentioned. Um, it, it is uh, widely uh, reported in India, and it, it was. And I think India also did the good thing in whenever they got more details, they did share it. They didn't just stick to, like, the, the initial thing. They just they went on with other details as well. 
And in terms of how that was presented in the Indian media, was that was it just the straight facts that were given or did certain newspapers try and change the narrative of the story? Yeah, so um, I think the initial one, the initial reports which came out were like what the BBC posted. They mm. just give direct facts. But yeah, I think the thing about India, and I, I very honestly, I'll just say this, is that um, I think once we find something in a news article which is related to Pakistan, because they know the general public and how they're going to react to stories, then as soon as they get something related to Pakistan, they try and put that as, if not the main topic, that's a separate article on that itself. And uh, coming to that, I did read an article uh, from the Times of India, which is the leading newspaper in India at this moment. Um, they, of course, the, the initial article was, as I told you, the normal one. But the day after, they posted an article uh, once they found out that the, the, the accused, or the terrorist, sorry, uh, he... Uh, basically had ties with Pakistan and he apparently he'd stayed there um, after finishing school I think is what they said in the article and yeah I think while the if when you read the article you don't get a lot of information on that the fact that that's the title I think the title if I could just read it out mm, was uh, the London attacker had Pakistan links plotted Kashmir hits and the plotted Kashmir hits was obviously he had planned some attack in Kashmir like the 2611, which had a Mumbai, Mumbai attacks in 2008. But that's not the main part of the story. The main part of the story is uh, the London Bridge. But they, because it had because this man had ties with Pakistan, they had to put an out, put out a report on that, basically. That is extremely interesting that they had to take such a tragic event. And I don't know if they did it because of maybe... Not governmental pressure, but I don't know. Would I, it was not? It's not government. I don't think it's governmental pressure. Very honestly, I think, and of course, you got you guys over here must have read about what's been going on with India, Pakistan, and mm. of course, there's some there's a lot of things been going on for a long time. But if you followed uh, politics or not not politics, but general news between India and Pakistan in the last couple of years, we've seen hits. Uh, we've seen Pakistan retaliate, India retaliating, uh, sending troops into Pakistan and uh, bombing some, uh, you know, uh, terrorist camps, and then Pakistan retaliating. It's it's happened in the last year, I think. This year only, we've seen so many attacks. And um, just because that the pressure is up high in India and Pakistan, uh, the, the media know what the public wants to hear. And if the, the Indian public, of course, there's, of course, problems, and they do, they'll want to hear that. They'd be very interested to read an article about this man who's a terrorist had links to Pakistan. I mean, I'm not trying to imply anything, but that's what the general public in India would open if they saw that headline on, on their phone or on the paper. So it's almost a clickbait thing. They, they know exactly. that it, it is going to, it's going to encourage readers to have a look at it. Exactly. It's quite interesting because you obviously, living in the UK, know that in the British press there has been a lot of discussion about the politicisation of, of this terrorist act with Boris Johnson saying that this man had been released because of a lefty government. Yes. And, and he said that he had, a re he had a bill ready to go in the Queen's speech if his party was elected to power on the 12th of December, and it's obviously we're in the process of a general election which mm -hmm. takes place in just less than a week. Um, in terms of the British media, it was really interesting because over the course of the podcast, I've looked at a lot of stories, and I think this one has been the one that's most divided the media. You've had a clear division between the left and right. Yeah. Um, in terms of the left, they've attacked Boris Johnson for I think less than I think it was 10 hours after the attack he spoke about the um, he spoke about the general election and how 
it was somewhat to blame of the Labour government who were in power, I think, eight years ago. Mm. So it was an interesting, it was an interesting move to make. And um, in a column by Ashika, who is the senior editor of Navarra Media, which is a self-described radical left-wing or, um, media organisation, mm. she was saying that now the Conservatives and their favoured newspapers oscillate between blaming Labour for terrorist attacks which have taken place under Tory rule and putting the wheels in motion to impose harsh sentencing for violent offenders. So she really said that this was not just the Conservatives, but also the media that were just pushing this narrative. Um, and then the Daily Mail decided, which is on the right, obviously, mm. decided that it was going to um, suggest that Jeremy Corbyn, through a video, had uh, politicised this. So, I mean, it just all turned into kind of a political media scandal. Yeah. From that, was there any discussion of this element of the terrorist attack in the Indian media? Or was this too intricate? I mean, um, if, if it goes into politics, uh, there was not, not that much. Mm. That, w- that wasn't that much. But um, relating to stuff like that, um, if that kind of situation did happen in India, and it has happened, of course, with the India-Pakistan f- uh, attacks in the, in the recent history, mm. It does become political, and I think it, it the same situation. If this attack would have happened in Mumbai or Delhi today in India, it would have become a very political yeah. story, like we have been seeing in the last couple of weeks. But uh, on this particular story, uh, no, it has not uh, actually gone into the political situation. I think just because it's not related to India in a way. I mean, the only relation they've got is getting that Pakistan thing out of it, basically. Nothing with India, to be fair. So, as you've touched on, in recent months, the Kashmir situation has kind of been unfolding and been quite prominent in the British press because it's been, I think, more on the the sense of um, maybe discrimination put towards people living in Kashmir and the internet being put down, leaders being um, imprisoned or Mm -hmm. under house arrest. What is the reaction from India towards that? Because obviously we are, from a very impartial point of view, I don't think, I mean, not to sound patronising, but I don't think a lot of British people, actually including myself, really understand the situation. Yeah. Um, it's, well, I think once the Prime Minister Narendra Modi and uh, Amit Shah, Home Minister, they made that decision of d- demolishing the Article three, uh, mm. 370 and then Article 35A and then uh, basically, you know, making Kashmir a part of India, I thought the Indians in general, of course, Pakistanis would go against it and Indians went for it. And I thought... And I thought I was one of the people who was very happy that at least a decision's made on Kashmir instead of that ongoing debate or something. But I think while I like that decision, I've kind of gone against it because of what's happened after that and mm. is still happening very honestly because the the signs were that, that there would be situations, but the way they've been dealt with and, and, and is still being dealt in that same situation is just not um it's not reasonable as you as you mentioned, being without internet connectivity. Um, I have actually managed to talk to some, I was doing an internship at the time and I talked to some Kashmiri students studying in my uh, city, Calcutta mm-hmm. at the time. And um, they said that my their parents are up there and they, they were, then they, they can't talk to their parents because there's no phone, there's no service over there and there's no net, there's no net. So you, they have no way of contacting their parents. Their parents can't get, the, ask them to come back even if they want to because of what the situation mm-hmm. is. And I feel... Well, I thought the decision was good. I think the timing was terrible because of what's happened after that. And very honestly, the fact that um, it's not going to be solved between these two countries now, and that's why it's being made such uh, it's, it's been made such a big thing in other countries as well. So we we have to, uh, the countries have to get other countries like the UK and the USA. These people need to get involved in some way, I believe, 
to try and sort out the situation because it's not going to work between two countries how, how, yeah. who hate each other, basically. So just to clarify, the area of Kash- Kashmir was prior to, I think, August 2019, independent, yes. and it was almost in limbo between India, Pakistan, and China. It was on those uh, uh, it's, it's it's Yeah, it's, uh, China would never had a part with it, but yeah, it's, it's right it's there. That, yeah. In that place. Yeah, um, what is like? What is going to be the future for Kashmir from your perspective? What is what's going to happen? I I very honestly don't know. I I can't give you a correct answer to that because of what's been going on. I mean, a decision was made, and that decision will stand obviously in the long run. But the things which could happen just because that decision was made, um, I just don't. I very honestly I don't see how it could get better in the near future. So, um. As I said, I think the decision's made. It's part of India now, and it's an official decision which has been agreed. And but you never know because of, uh, it's already been so bad. You just never know what can happen just because of that decision. Mm. Even in like two three years as well. I mean, it's it's gonna get really bad, and there's no way to uh, to escape from it. Very honestly. Is it something that uh, dominates the Indian media? Is it something that will come up on a? It, it'll always come up. It it is something which, of course, when it first happened August, and uh, then it was a big thing for a good number of months. Obviously, I have been going through things, but yes, it 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 always will. Whether it's a major thing or a minor thing, there's always something happening. So you if if you don't see it in the news for like a, one or two weeks, you're surprised because there's always something about uh, what's going on there. Is it something? Because obviously, uh, comparing India to the UK, India is such a vast country, and it's yeah. got so many. I'd say more more intricacies in its culture and its dialects, etc. Is it something that, is that, is Kashmir something that would, would engage the whole of the Indian population or is it just for the people who are, who are reading the news or who are interested because it involves, I mean, it doesn't, if you're in a small area, it doesn't really involve you directly. It kind of indirectly involves the Indian people. I, I actually agree with that. I mean, for people who stay in small villages and all that, doesn't, it doesn't involve them, but Obviously, because of what's been going on, it it will engage a much bigger population of India than what it was before. Mm. Uh, at the because there, as you know, uh, f- from the time we've been we've gained independence in nineteen forty seven, there have been problems. But it's usually been you know small problems which have come once in a while, and you just have maybe maybe the news readers and the politicians are the people who basically uh, have to sort out the situation. But what's been going on, especially this year. It's obviously it, it will engage a much much larger uh, population than it, it than it has. So from you mentioning nineteen forty seven, which was the year that India gained independence yep. from the British Empire. Yes, it's an important time for for India as a country, but also it kind of emphasizes the role that the UK did play yep. in in India. I mean, it's rather controversial. Um, but from that, what impact and what inv- involvement does the UK have in India now? Does the British occupation slash empire, does it still play out in India at the moment? It's affected our country in a lot of ways. It still does, very honestly, because of the wealth. Because, I mean, I just go through, like, history books and the wealth we had before the British came and the amount they took when they left, that's obviously affected us in the long run. But I strongly believe that we're getting better. Um, So... And I think there is a sort of a peace uh, between the UK and India now, very honestly. It's much, at least it's much better than, well, what it was obviously 100 years ago. But involvement-wise, I think there is that, there, that kind of peace and that kind of understanding between the two countries now, which it, it's much better.
and obviously now India is part of the uh, the Commonwealth. But is yeah. there? Do you think because of this connection the two countries have had, it means that India is more engaged in British affairs? I think so. In the in the recent history, yes, in, in a positive way, I'd say, not in a negative or controversial way. I think, and I I think that's helped in the. Um, understanding between the two countries but uh, yes i do believe so i think it's worked both ways as well i think uh, british people have been uh, british the british have helped us in situations and they've been active in our activities if you want to say that and and vice versa do you think in terms of so we've obviously spoken about this you know terrorist attack which is massively headline news in the uk and it did appear in the indian press mm-hmm. but on a weekly basis how prominent is british affairs in india how like you know what does it take for a British story to make? Well, I think Brexit is something which has obviously been come out in India. I think, I think, I, and for a person like me who has started, who does love reading the news now and then, I have followed Brexit from the time it started, a couple of years ago, actually, very honestly. And I got that all from, from Indian press, basically. And um, to be fair, Brexit is a big thing. But before that... I think unless it's something like a terrorist attack or something really big, it, it that's that's only when it actually reached the Indian press. If it was something smaller, then it wouldn't actually be yeah. added. But Brexit is a big thing and it has been going on for such a long time and there have been so many things going on in the last couple of years. I think and uh, you do get to follow that because I think everybody knows that it's it's good. While, of course, the the people over here could have their claims on it, it's big news for, for the for the media. For media and everything, even the December election and all that is pretty, it's pretty well publicized in India as well, uh, the general election happening. I, I wouldn't go into like election campaigning being talked about, but just the the general election is yeah. something which uh, is, is, is wi- widely publicized in India. So d- they are certainly following the high points and the, the most um, yeah. important moments. What is the, what do the Indian media and Indian people think about Brexit? What is their general, like, feeling towards it? I mean, initially, it's a kind of um, laughable situation as to where England have actually ended up or the UK has actually ended up with this. And it, it kind of, it's dragged on. And I think, I think, and I, I think you could relate, it's just gone on for so long and you're very tired about it. Mm-hmm. And I think... Those who have been following it from any other country would say the same thing. And I, I think the same thing here. When I came here in August, in, sorry, in September, I, I, it was anyway dra- dragged on for such a long time in September. And it's still gone on as I've been here as well. And um, I think that's the same feeling for people in India who've gone through it properly. And, um, well, on the prime minister of your country, I don't think there's really good views mm. uh, in India, uh, very honestly. But um, you have got another world leader who's even worse. So I think in, in Mr. Trump. So I think that's why there's much more views on Trump than there are on Boris Johnson. But but India and I think I've read an article in, 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 in when before I came here, which did actually and I don't know whether that must have been a controversial one, but it did give a lot of similarities between the two. What characteristics in particular? are viewed badly from um, in the Ita- in the Indian press about Boris Johnson. What is what is his like low points? I think his his history. I think okay. um, his comments which yeah. he's made in the past. I think those were once he when when he became the prime minister and Theresa May obviously resigned. I think that was something which I did read about a couple of times because there were a few I didn't even know about and I found out from Indian press basically and. Um, yeah, I think with 
Burkha's comments on the yeah. Burkha and all that. Referring to uh, the yeah. Burkha as a um, uh, letterbox. Let, exactly. So I think those things were something which were... Indians knew about it. If you, if, you, if you read about Boris Johnson in the papers, you'd know about his comments and his this controversial comments. And that was one thing, yeah. That's interesting because, he, you know, he wrote these, um, these comments in his columns in The Telegraph. So it's interesting to see that they have, you know, they were arguably so offensive that they transgressed countries. They were just too... I mean, it, you know, it wasn't the best comment for a, um, a prime minister or even member of parliament to make. Exactly, yeah. Um, actually, interesting. interestingly... When I was looking at, I think this morning I was looking through some of the online um, media about India and seeing what articles they'd published recently on India. And concerningly, the ones that actually made um, coverage were to do with like a lot of rape cases, which I thought was very interesting because there was politically there was it was limited and it was just that these, I mean these cases, I mean the details are so horrific. I think recently you've had four men who have been shot. I just, uh, actually, yeah, I just said that in the morning, very honestly. Yeah. yeah. And um, to be fair, um, I actually, and I, I, I'll be very honest here, um, so the number of rape cases which happen in India, um, it's it, you read about these which are publicized, but there are so many which are not reported mm. about, which just makes it so horrific when you read details. And I, because there were so many in the papers and also online, I when I came to the UK in September, I didn't want to read them because it, it disturbs you. I think yeah, you, you, you can't imagine a man doing that because you would never see yourself even close to that kind of a situation. And it disgusts me for obvious reasons. And because I, you open the newspaper, you read, you read on your phone and you see these things. Like I opened Facebook today and those are the, and as what you just uh, heard, heard and you saw are the first three things on, on my Facebook this morning. So um, I try to got away from that because I just didn't want to read this. And so for a good number of months, I was we were busy with work over here, but I didn't want to see it, mm. and so I was avoiding it in a way. But it's just come back on the feed, and as yeah. you said, this is a big story in India right now. So, I mean, it's, it's very disturbing. So for reference to the story, I think there was a young girl who was gang-raped by a group of four men, yeah. and it was very premeditated. They had slash the tires of her moped yep. and the police had arguably taken it into their own hands and shot the four men who and were trying they to... they shot the four men in the same place where they, they raped this, this girl on I think the 28th of November last week mm. and I don't know whether they took them to the same place or they just were there yeah. but in front of people the, the police shot these four people which I thought was good because that's mm. what rapists deserve at the end they don't deserve to live very yeah. honestly and um but yeah, I think that's just one case again when you come in because you will, if you follow Indian media in another couple of days, you will read about another case, and that is just so depressing. To when you when you are in India and you're opening a paper, you're opening news art in news you know pages every single day, and you're just reading that. It it I, I really try I really did my best in avoiding it when I first came here because mm. I just don't want to read about this anymore. But it just comes back no matter what you do yeah. because there's so many. And this young girl was actually, I think, um, murdered after the yes, two plates. Exactly, so it was, yeah. yeah, a horrific situation. I think what is apparent is when looking at the media and seeing that these cases, these articles are the ones being published in the British press, is that maybe it is the reason why they're being published is not because they are necessarily the most important events taking place in India, but because they are potentially the most dissimilar um, and they are the most... Like the details are so graphic and yes. so raw and so 
uh, horrendous. And I think you're right saying that you, d you just don't want to read it because it's, and if it becomes repetitive, mm. but for a UK art audience, I mean, there are some horrific situ uh, situations that do pla take place in the UK, yeah. but the ones that have especially recently come up, well, not even recently, in the last so many years, they've been so offensive to read. Yeah. And that is probably why newspapers are deciding to publish them because they will probably, people will look at them out of horrendous curiosity towards what's happening. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I agree. But again, coming back to the point is if it comes out in the English press, I think the English press will still never understand how many reports of like that mm. actually come out in papers on a regular basis. And uh, you, you, of course, you get like the story of this where the police actually end up killing. But this is one situation where the rapists actually die. I mean, uh, they actually killed, actually. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of cases when because of good contacts and corruption, um, they, they go scot-free, basically. And um, they just, it just, it just, as I said, it's, it's very disturbing. And if you're reading it on a regular basis, like I was mm. in India, you, you just want to stay away from it. But you, you can't. Evidently, you can't. Yeah. yeah. So in terms of you saying that, you know, obviously there are probably so many cases that are unreported and do not come in the mainstream press or the national media. Is that because of police refusing to take these forward or is it because the media are just completely saturated by this type of news and they just can't keep churning out on a daily basis? It's, it's not the second reason, no. I think um, the level of corruption which goes on in India is it's at, it's at a high level and... Um, Corruption involves media as well as police. And so if the person involved or is related to a high person, and this is, I'm, I'm not even talking about like a, it could be, it could be a police person, it could be somebody who's just got a lot, of, mm. a lot of wealth. And the power, when you have wealth, the power you have over people who work in, like in pol police or media, the power you have, you, you fear for your life if you report something like that. And to be fair, there are, there are movies which are made on that to try and uh, make people aware of the situation there have been movies like that in the last couple of last five six years in india on that and um it's out of fear for their life and their jobs to mm. not post that very honestly finally when when we were out on friday night celebrating <laughs> the end of our term in a very civilized manner mm. i remember you were saying to me you walked a girl to a bus stop and you were saying that in india a girl would not walk to a bus stop on her own and and that would just not be something that happened, which is, you know, in the UK, I walked to a bus stop on my own the whole mm -hmm. time. On that, I mean, you can talk about that, but are there any other massive differences between living in India and the UK? Except for the safety? No, I mean, you can talk about that, Eve. I mean, yeah, yeah, including that. No, because the girl was is from Delhi, yeah. which is easily the, it may be the, the worst city to stay in as, a, uh, in a as a girl, and I mean this very honestly and not in a negative or positive way uh, but she is from Delhi and um, this is 10 30 11 and I knew that I, I of course there should not be that much of a problem over here mm. but you just you just know that because she's from there she is feeling unsafe even though it's a complete different country and that's why I, I did end up and she need, she wanted the company as well so I, that's why I, I, I walked her there I walked her to the bus stop but um, you could see that in her face I mean it doesn't matter how much you drink or whatever but you see it that she's genuinely scared. And I think I've, I've actually talked to people in, in over here as well who do say that there are situations when they're walking by, the, by themselves. And if that situation, if you find that here in the UK, it's 10 times worse in India. And I think that's, um, that's a big difference. You will 
uh, you will not see a girl walking alone at 11.30 at night. I, I, I remember when I was doing my undergrad and I was in this town called Velour. And um, me and four other guys, we took, we were, um, we we stayed outside. We uh, uh, we didn't stay in our hostel in our last year of college. We were we were staying in our own place outside, and girls were not allowed to do that. And we uh, they were not, they were not allowed to stay outside by themselves. They have to have a guardian with them or a parent with them. Otherwise, they had to be in the hostel. And initially, we thought this was very harsh. Why do boys get to do it and girls? Oh, for obvious reasons. But um, then we stayed outside and. When you, when you stay outside, you have the liberty of going out at 12 or 1 o'clock, walking around and all that. And what we saw happening outside, we understood why that rule was made, very honestly. Because it's just not suitable. And the people, the, the drunk people who walk, and this is, a, this is a town, not even like a proper city, right? This is a town. And the people who walk outside, we saw, we saw fights happening, like people coming out of a car and beating people up. We've seen, we saw all that at like 11 o'clock at night, not even like two or three in the morning but like at 11 o'clock and you you understand why it's very unsafe for girls and that's why that rule was there no matter how how f- bad you f- how f- unfair you feel that rule is to girls very, very honestly no it's completely understandable do you think obviously in the uk and america they've had they've had the me too movement which is really kind of we had it as well yeah you india, had it. india had yeah. it as well it came a bit later after the the u.s one it did come and a lot of uh, and and like the US, uh, a lot of di- a lot of big names did come out. Actually, um, the names did come out. But again, um, it's some. It's it was a good project. Uh, uh, I wouldn't use project, but it was a good initiative which uh, which which uh, did start. But um, in I don't know about the US or the UK, but in India, it was it was a big thing. But it needs to be much much more bigger to get all cases out. It's not. No matter how big it does go, it'll never be enough. Is if 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 I could say it in a but in that way. And kind of on an as an end point, an end question. Do you think what is you know what is the future with respect to that? Do you think there is hope for women to walk down the streets without fear in their eyes and to be able to do that maybe in the evening? Is that something that could happen in the near future, or is that something that's gonna which would happen in a long time? Near future, I don't think so. I think it's. If it if if it does improve, it's gonna be a very slow and gradual process. It's not gonna be something which could be changed in the next couple of years. I hate to say it. I hate to say it, and I hate to admit that. But uh, it's not something which can be improved by a Me Too movement. You know, it it's something which can start with the Me Too and then move on gradually from there. But no, a uh, near future, there's no way. But I hope that something positive does happen, and maybe when I'm old, something is something much better is happening there absolutely we can hope so absolutely yeah have to anyway Ayush thank you very much for coming on my podcast (laughs) thank you for inviting me it was lovely so you've been listening to A Broad View stay tuned for the next episode if there is one which we hope so thank you and goodbye goodbye